0: Welcome to the Gospel for Life podcast. We help people grow by connecting truth to life. Here's your host, Daryl Dash. Well, welcome back to the Gospel for Life podcast. And today I'm really excited to talk to my guest and friend, Jamie Strickland. Jamie serves as pastor of Discipleship Ministries at West Highland Baptist Church in Hamilton, Ontario. And he served with Power to Change in Canada Peru, Denmark, and the United Kingdom. In 2015, after serving with Power to Change for 13 years, he transitioned to pastoral ministry. And then almost three years ago, he joined the staff at West Highland in Hamilton. And I'm excited to talk to Jamie today about his experience in leading discipleship in the context of a local church. So Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Daryl. Good to be here. So, J.D., uh, a lot of times I interview uh, authors of books on discipleship, and I've been wanting to talk to an actual pastor who's uh, doing discipleship. So, what exactly does a pastor of discipleship do? (laughs) Yeah, it's a
1: good question. There's stuff that, I guess, as a pastor, you're expected to do and to be a part of the regular ministries of the church. So, a lot of what uh, I'm a part of is working with our community groups. That's the groups of, you know, 8 to 15 people that meet weekly or biweekly in the church and helping coordinate that. We do have some adult like education classes that we offer during the week at different times and uh, and also coordinating our our one-on-one or, or like kind of smaller pod discipleship as well. And so some of it's coordinating, um, but as well, a big part of it is trying to disciple some young men in the church as well, which is kind of what I'm really excited and passionate about.
0: And did you end up as uh, uh, working the area of discipleship intentionally or did it end up just being the direction that your ministry took kind of, you know, by divine providence?
1: Yeah, I think, um, <laughs> well, I really had my life changed when uh, I was part of like Campus Crusade for Christ at the time at York University, which became Power to Change. And uh, and that ministry really emphasized the value of not just assuming that everyone or that Christians know what they're talking about or that they they know God's word or they're regularly in God's word or they know different spiritual practices, but actually, you know, investing intentionally in in uh, people to do that. And so I had someone come alongside me in my own walk with God and really help me to grow. And then it just became something that I wanted to do in the life of, of other people. So it, it just eventually, yeah, I think God used it in my life so that and then it caused me to want to be invested in other people's lives by discipling them as well.
0: So it's interesting. I talked to a lot of people who have been impacted by campus ministry, and it really shapes, it seems to shape two, two areas, maybe there are even three, uh, evangelism, discipleship, and just this hunger for a deep relationship. Mm. And do you find that, is, is that what it birthed in you, a, a desire to really, you know, win people to Christ, see them grow, and then be part of an, a strong relational community growing together?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's in some ways, it's partially unfortunate that it's those are the things that the church is called to do, but often neglects what church kind of has become. Whereas on campus, you're not putting on a a big Sunday, you know, worship gathering. You're focusing on just like, you know, when you have an hour or two during the week with someone. And so in those smaller group or one-on-one contexts, you're, you're talking more about evangelism. And I think in camp, when you're on campus as well, Students are really thinking about, you know, what do I really believe? And so there's a hunger to grow and to know more. And especially if you're on a, you know, a secular campus, you're just being thwarted with all sorts of secular ideologies. And so there's a desire to grow and to know more yourself, but then there's a desire to, to share the gospel with others. And so I think it's just that key point in someone's life where they're just open to to those important aspects of the Christian life, evangelism and discipleship, and just wanting to be on mission that it's a spiritual greenhouse, I think, for people.
0: And it's really hard to replicate. I mean, it is a, a period of your life in which usually you're single, you know, and you're in a, a peer group that's, it's kind of like your own people, right? And it's its kind of hard to replicate later in the, you know, you get a family, you end up working and uh, life, life just looks a little bit different when you're at a school. So, but I know a lot of people have a hard time transitioning from that kind of ministry into the local church and finding those same, some of those same things in the local church. So yeah, it is a real frustration that um, I I know people feel. I want to, maybe you can comment on that, but I wanted to ask you about, how did you actually begin learning about discipleship?
1: Well, I guess first about the, the transition. Yeah, it is very hard. I find like, you're right. When you're a student, it's like what the disciples in some ways experienced with Jesus. They had more time. They were with him you know day by day and so when you're on campus you're with people day by day whereas yet like you're saying once you get a job and you got a family like you don't have that many as many spaces of free time to to devote to these types of things and so it does become more challenging and for sure and there has to be ways that you could be creative or think about how discipleship happens in everyday life and the regular comings and goings of life and not just you know Tuesday at 2:30 between classes what well, your second question or
0: Yeah, the second question was, uh, how did you begin to learn about discipleship? Were you discipled yourself, or did you begin to strategize about how to make disciples, or how did that happen? Yeah,
1: no, it was definitely being discipled. I think that's, it's very key. I think discipleship is one of those things, in some ways, like parenting, where a book can only take you so far. Uh, Eventually, you remember what your parents did, for better or worse, with you, and then you're learning on the go as a discipler, I think, with someone that you're discipling. And so books are definitely helpful. But for me, it was really being discipled by someone who, again, this was originally my time on campus, who who took me out on campus to, to do some evangelism, to share our faith, but then also then brought me back where we would then talk about what had just happened, talk about, you know, how my uh, walk with God is going. And so I think discipleship is definitely something that you learn by experiencing someone discipling you. And then, again, like the disciples with Jesus, they experienced it with him and then they were able to, to do that with others. So that's kind of my, yeah, how I came to be a part of discipleship.
0: That kind of leads to a bit of a challenge. What would you say to somebody who maybe didn't experience that? So they don't know how to make disciples because they've never experienced, you know, somebody investing in them intentionally in that way. I think, uh, well,
1: one, it's never too late to be discipled. So I would encourage you just as quickly you are to go to a book is to go to someone whose life, just as you observe them, you see like, you know, I love my life to look more like this guy or this girl who I could just see is, is following Christ well. And I, I'd love to just kind of see behind the curtain a little bit into their life. And usually often if you ask someone like, would you meet with me? just to help me grow my walk with God. Most people, you know, mature Christians would love to do that with someone. So I, I'd say, ask someone, you know, would you be willing to, to disciple me? But, uh, but as well, like when you have a discipleship kind of lens, even as you're reading the Gospels, you just that's a great place to go, obviously. It's just how did Jesus interact with the disciples? How did he model ministry? How did he do something with a crowd and then pull back with his disciples to teach them more? And then what do we even see in the book of Acts with those disciples and how they went about ministry? And when you have that kind of lens on you, you see things maybe that before you didn't you didn't see.
0: No, this is really good, Jamie. You've, you've already talked about the tension that we feel with, uh, as pastors, We we feel the responsibility to, you know, preach good sermons. And I'm a big believer in the importance of good sermons. But there's all kinds of things that we do that, you know, in the end, after we're doing them. Sometimes we feel like we're still not being as intentional as we need to be in making disciples. Maybe we're ministering to the crowd, but we really don't know how to, you know, be more strategic than that. And we hope people are growing, but we're not really sure. So, what advice would you give to pastors about how to uh, become more intentional in, in building disciples, not just you know providing great sermons and right. uh, you know crowd size events, but actually getting into um, intentional disciple making in their ministry? Right.
1: Yeah, I'd say for a pastor, just to look at your current schedule and see where are there items in my Monday to Friday where I could potentially invite someone into that. And so I I think there's a lot of times where we do things on our own where we could easily bring someone along with us. So it could be a visitation in a hospital, for example. Is there another person in your church you could bring with you to do that? Even just as you're starting your your sermon prep, I find there's a lot of guys even at my church that do shift work and they're available often during the during the day. And so if I can you know meet with them as I'm prepping a sermon, just kind of just to demonstrate how I do that. And so I think where that's probably the first thing is where can I add, just bring someone into what I'm already doing so it's not adding another thing. It's just being more intentional with my my schedule. And then the second thing is that really you just start with with one person, I I think like sometimes we think we need to start a huge, massive program or something, but really it's, it's the simplicity of just putting some space in your calendar to meet with someone. And uh, whether that's, you know, on a Saturday morning or whether that's, you know, meeting with someone at their place of work for lunch on a weekly basis, there's always these little windows or pockets in our schedule that if we're going to say, I'm serious about making disciples, again, not just, you know, one-to-many, but one-on-one That I just need to put that into my schedule. And again, I think for most pastors, there's probably many young men at your church who would love to meet with you and just to go through some sort of, you know, content and material, even just to talk, talk life uh, with you.
0: And how would you advise they start? Do you just with an invitation and then maybe reading a passage of scripture or going through a book? Or is it just life on, you know, like just getting to know each other and asking questions?
1: yeah, so I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all with making disciples. I find there's a, there's a balance that we have to find between intentionality and relationship. And sometimes if we get caught too much into a, a specific program or curriculum, we just try to jam everyone through the same thing. And often what works for one person doesn't work for another. So I think at, at the start, it's just, it's just inviting someone out to coffee or to lunch, getting to know them especially if there's a, a young person in, in your life that you see, like I see some potential that if we met, I could see you becoming a, you know, an elder at the church, or I could see you being a community group leader. Or I could see you discipling someone else. I think often, especially for young men, hearing a word of affirmation from their pastor and say, you know, I, I see potential in you. Their tail starts to wag, right? Like they, they get excited. And um, I found like we, we have a different, Definition of a disciple that we use at West Highland, it's not original to us, but we say a disciple is someone who's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to the mission of Jesus. And so, often, I would just ask a guy, like, where do you think in those those three areas, just following Jesus, being changed by him, or being committed to his mission, that that you think you need to grow? Oftentimes, it is being committed to the mission, but, you know, I've done book, I like doing book studies, I'm I'm a reader, and so... Often I'll say, like, I'd love to commit to going through, you know, three books with you, one on something around following Jesus, one around being changed, and one around being committed to the mission. And a guy I'm discipling right now, we've, we started by going through Desiring God by John Piper for just getting connected to Jesus and to God. For Changed by Jesus, we actually used your book, Eight Habits for Growth, which was very helpful and practical for us in helping form the, the spiritual disciplines. How is my life actually being changed? And right now, currently, we're just uh, going through the master plan of evangelism by Robert Coleman for being committed to the mission of Jesus, helping him learn how he can make disciples himself.
0: And at the end of that process, would it be the challenge for him to continue with somebody else and disciple them? Or how does that work at the, when they're done that?
1: Yeah, exactly. Part
0: of discipleship
1: is at the beginning, having a roadmap with the person, where, where would we, we wanting to go. So we're not just wanting to be this to be a relationship where it's just the two of us meeting weekly, you know, for for five years with no end game. But saying that, you know, after a year or two, I I want to see you starting to disciple someone else. And so some of the things that we've talked about and things that I've modeled, I want to see that in you. And depending on that person, they might be ready to go starting to disciple someone six months in. For another guy, it might be a couple of years. Um, but again, that's where I'd say it's. We have to uh, try to go against the the temptation to think one size fits all with disciple making, but but yeah, that would definitely be the goal. And then the the relationship between me and him then moves a bit more from discipleship to a bit more coaching. So as we're meeting together, perhaps even less frequently, because you can't maintain so many relationships in your life at that intense a level. Um, but we might then start to meet monthly and just talk about you know how's it going in the guys that you're discipling, and so you know it's not just cutting the. The court, it's we're staying connected, but it changes the purpose of, I guess, of why we're meeting.
0: So, picturing a pastor, say, of an average sized church, so maybe 100, 150 people, maybe even smaller than that, and they're looking out there, they can see some guys that are hungry and they want to begin investing. How do they select, you know, the the most strategic kind of guy to look for to, to, to start with? What would you recommend?
1: Yeah. That's a great question, because I think one of the hardest things is when you make a commitment to someone who, in the end, isn't actually interested in discipling others themselves. And they just they just become someone who's just taking, 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 not looking to, to give as well. And so part of it has to be you have to have some sort of relational connection already where you've observed. You know, when I was with Power to Change, I know other ministries have used the acronym FAT, <laughs> Faithful, Available, Teachable. And so are they faithful in the things that you're already calling them to do? So they're already involved in a ministry. They're showing that they have that commitment, that faithfulness to that, both to ministry and to the Lord. Are they available? So is it, is it someone who's just constantly missing appointments? Or it's going to be hard if they're not available and wanting to do, uh, to be involved with you. And then teachable. Yeah, have you seen them learn and apply things? in other contexts where you think, yeah, this guy, if he—if I just spent some time with him, I can really see him growing into someone who can make disciples himself. And so that's what I'm usually still looking for. It's, a, it's an old acronym and uh, and kind of funny, fat, but, <laughs> but it is quite helpful for us just instead of just thinking, you know, who's, if it's just one of those things, like, you know, sometimes there's those guys that are available, but there might not be the best person for, you. again, there's an opportunity cost with discipleship. That you can't have that kind of one-on-one intentional relationship with, you know, a hundred people. You've got to pick just a few guys that they're going to take what you're teaching them and, and look to pass that that on to
0: others. I imagine that uh, after you've been in this relationship with some people, you're going to be disappointed occasionally. Maybe you pour into somebody and then you look back after six months or a year and you realize that maybe they're just not <laughs> as interested as you'd hoped. And- How do you handle disappointment? Uh, Which I think you know, obviously Jesus even faced that. So,
1: what advice would you give? Yeah, well, I think that's part of it is knowing that yeah, you're right. Even Jesus (laughs) faced disappointment in guys that he was investing his time in, and so ultimately we can just be faithful. What we feel God has called us to do. This might be just more general advice on on disappointment. It's just that I can't own and carry everything that that goes wrong in my life I uh, I just look to be faithful to what God's called me to do and so if I've you know w- even when looking at Jesus's selection of the the twelve disciples he spent the the previous night in prayer before it, it's recorded that he then called those 12 disciples to himself and so am I spending time in prayer beforehand and uh, and yeah and and choosing and, and if I've done that in the end I can only be faithful to do what God has called me to do and entrust to him that the fruit will come as a result of me abiding in him and then be being faithful to what he's called me to do. Right, yeah, yeah, it it is, it is overwhelming because you do wish you had either more hours in the day or more time to spend with with people. But um, but in the end, I think I just have to keep going back to the way Jesus modeled things. That you know, he had crowds following him, he fed five thousand plus, but he concerned himself most with those twelve guys who were going to reach. The masses, right? Like he wasn't he knew he as in his human body could not be everywhere with everyone at all times. And so I just think the best as I look over the crowds even of a church uh, like West Talent I think I I can't meet with everyone a week, but I can meet with a few who will meet with a few who will then hopefully build this disciple-making culture in our church where disciples are being made, raised up and begin multiplying where our church has that healthy balance of a, of a great Sunday morning worship experience with great preaching, where they're being fed that way, but that they're also involved in, in a smaller group connection with people who are investing in them relationally more deeply in a way that I as a pastor can't. That's really helpful.
0: Jamie, are there any resources that you would recommend if, if there's a pastor or a church leader out there that wants to learn more about making disciples?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think I've already mentioned, uh, the master plan of evangelism. That's a classic. I think it's was written in the sixties originally, but I still keep coming back to it. Just, it's very concise, but very helpful. Basically a look at how Jesus made disciples, how he used his three years of public ministry to really invest in those 12s. And what are those principles that we see in his life from then that we can apply today? I think that's, uh, that's a great one. Another one that I've uh, read recently that I find really helpful is uh, it's called Walk With Me by Bill Mowry. And Bill has over the last few years been in a bit of a coaching slash discipleship relationship with me. And I've really found him personally someone who makes disciples himself in his own life, but also then just the principles in that book, Walk With Me, I found very helpful for just you know a person who's looking to start somewhere. So I'd give those two books a recommendation for sure.
0: I'm impressed by, uh, yeah, both of those. I mean, the uh, Robert Coleman book is amazing. And what I find really interesting is he's just one of those guys that I've, I've actually heard him at a a church planting conference. And even though I think he's in his eighties now, Oh yeah. And he's, you know, if you look around uh, when he's teaching, there's not a huge crowd there because, you know, people tend to be drawn to the new and the flashy or whatever, but He, if you go in, you just discover his passion is there, and I would say he's a sage. And the people that are there, man, they're soaking it up because they know when they're they're in the presence of somebody who's really unique. Um, And I would also echo Bill Mowry's work is really valuable, so I appreciate him and his writing's been really helpful too. So that's great, Um, Jamie. This is all like I really appreciate talking to a pastor who's in a local church, and um, you're just helping to flesh out what it looks like. So I really appreciate you sharing. Your wisdom with us today. I wanted to ask you a couple of personal questions um, as we get to the end of this interview. What has God been teaching you lately in your life? Hmm. Yeah,
1: I know that's that's good. I I think over the past uh, year and a bit, you know. Well, as you know, Daryl, you know our family's gone through a bit of tragedy um, about a year and a half ago. We lost uh, our 11 year old son. Um, was killed in a in a car accident and um and i think just the past year going through that i've just seen god just constantly be teaching me about his faithfulness to his promises and um and there's so many promises we have from god in his word and when we're not going through something sometimes it's hard to really appreciate or or love and embrace and cling to those promises but I've just seen over this this past year that God uh, has been true to His word. He He is a sovereign God who oversees all things and uh, and it, but is working them out for His glory and our good. And so I've seen that as just He's held us fast, my wife and I, over this past year. Um, I've seen how He's used His church to come around us both our local church, West Highland, but also just the broader church community, just showing so much care and love toward us. And, um, and it's just made me reflect even, you know, in the last year going through the Bible in a year and just as, as a result of going through something so, so difficult, um, just time and time again, I say, yes, this has been true. Yes, this is true. Lord, you, you, you promised that you'd be uh, near to the brokenhearted, um, Lord, you've promised that uh, nothing will ever separate us from your love. God, you've shown us that when your church is actually operating as it's as it's supposed to in community, that uh, that it's that it's just just such a an amazing community to be a part of, and, uh, and and a special community that that should be that that city on a hill. And so I've I've just seen over this past year how all those promises are true even in the midst of, of the hardest of times. And so, so again, it's somewhat, somewhat of a broad answer, but I think God is sovereign. God is good. And God is faithful through the hardest of things that we could, we could experience in this life.
0: And maybe you've already answered this, but what's encouraging you lately? I, I feel like you've almost answered that, but <laughs> I'll, I'll ask it anyways. Is there been anything else encouraging to you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think like, um, I, I, just to see, even as you know, we're, we've been going through COVID as well this the past number of years. But just seeing as as we've been able to gather back together in God's God's church, just seeing the excitement of people coming together and praising the Lord. Even the last number of uh, weeks or months now, worshiping God together, just without masks in the church It's just been like, wow, this is. I remember hearing this loud of singing before. And I haven't heard it in a while, but now as people have returned, I've just been so encouraged by the people of God, praising God together um, in person. And uh, it's just like I connect with God through musical worship. And so being a part of a worship service where I can just hear the congregation singing has just been so good for my soul. So I've been encouraged by that.
0: I love your love for the church. And, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of, okay, I've been a cynical pastor uh, way back at, at one point in my ministry. And I'm so over that. I want to be in love with the church. And, you know, as a bride of Christ, the church isn't perfect, but it really does make a difference that we love it and and enjoy it as well. So I'm glad to hear that. It's music to my soul. So thank you. Um, Jamie, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for sharing with us today, too, and appreciate you. And uh, you're one of those guys that I wish I knew better than I did. I wish that our paths crossed more often, but I have a debt of gratitude for you and um, grateful for your time with us today, too. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, Daryl. It's been good. Hey, thanks for listening to the Gospel for Life podcast. If you're interested in growing and helping others grow, please check out our monthly newsletter. Go to gospelforlife.com slash newsletter. And please don't forget to leave a review of this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Hey, thanks for listening to the Gospel for Life podcast. If you're interested in growing and helping others grow, please check out our monthly newsletter. Go to gospelforlife.com slash newsletter. And please don't forget to leave a review of this podcast on your favorite podcast platform.